You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night plumes. Chapter 14. Under Sparrow Bridge, Round the Sapphire. Dio. The crew and passengers of the Silken Hair spent an uneventful night moored at a nightlock known as the Nightingale, which sounded utterly charming if you didn't know it had once been the Divine Kingdom's most notorious brothel, and that the decorative spiked cages hanging from hooks had been used for humans, not birds. Dio had not been visited in the night, or in his dreams, by his mysterious man in black, who may or may not be the bow. He was trying not to be put out about it. Nimue fidgeted up and down the barge, getting more nervous as the river drew them inexorably towards their destination. Dio had heard the assassins speaking about calyx and husbands and general plotting. He tried to stay out of it. This whole trip had been like a strange dream. When it was over and they reached Phoenix Burning, he was going to have to put some thought into what came next. Was he really going to spend his whole life trying and failing to pass the exams to become a gladius? He'd been so sure that it was his future, his destiny, but now it was having all this time to think that was the problem. Calyx. Hold your breath as we go under Sparrow Bridge, said Valeria to Calyx, as the silken hair approached an extraordinary bridge, white and carved with intricate wings and beaks. There's a legend that this is where mortals can travel deep down to the other water to rescue their lost loves from death. If you breathe in as you pass under the bridge, one of their souls might latch onto you for the rest of eternity. Really, said Calyx. The superstition did not surprise her, though she was a little startled that Valeria had bothered to warn her. No, said Valeria, sounding bored. Not really. Icarus. He held his breath as the barge floated under Sparrow Bridge. He wasn't a superstitious man. No one could consider themselves superstitious after meeting their god face to face and pledging to his service. He hated this river, hated its wild and unpredictable magics. But he'd been nine years old the first time he was told that you should hold your breath under Sparrow Bridge. And it was hard to fight that kind of conditioning. He caught Marty's eye as he did so, and noted that she was also quite discreetly holding her breath. They both sputtered with laughter at each other once they were safely through. Dio. What is that building? whispered Nimoy, huddling at Dio's side as they rounded the curve in the river where the sapphire stood resplendent. It Hums with magic, she added. He understood her caution after the business with the basilisk. 
It's a theatre, sacred to the gods, he told her. But it's huge. The giant domed palais had a faceted pattern to its blue glass roof, so that it did indeed resemble a giant cut sapphire. It was famed as one of the wonders of the Divine Kingdom, and had hosted spectacles, festivals and opera for centuries. The Divine King tried to have the sapphire moved to Phoenix Burning for his coronation, Dio told her, playing tourist guide. He said it was a waste having it all the way out here, when it could stand as a celebration of his glorious rule. Nimue looked confused. But it's sacred to the gods. Is the Divine King so very jealous of them? Icarus, a little way from them both, let out a snort. In a word, yes. Calix. The Empress of the Imperium, whom Calix had once known only as her elder sister Ninian, had once toured the Divine Kingdom. At the time she was one of three heirs, cousins about the same age, expected to prove their worth before the ultimate heir was selected. Ninian had lauded it over her younger siblings for years that she got to travel to such exotic lands as Morganel and the Orions and the near-mythical Divine Kingdom. She'd never mentioned the river. Not a single word, which now seemed like an extraordinary omission. Ninian had, however, talked about the sapphire a grand opera house that looked like a sparkling gem the size of a small mountain. She babbled about the beautiful sculpted trees that surrounded it, the acres of blue and purple flowers that spiralled out from its magnificence, the play of light against the jewel-like facets. Here I am then, Calix thought, as the barge moved on past the architectural marvel. I made it. I'm here. Look at me, Ninian, following in your footsteps. If only she could turn around and go straight back home. Icarus. He had often wondered, in an idle sort of way, what kind of damage could be wrought upon the exquisite beauty of the sapphire, with all its angled glass facets, with a single crossbow. Today was not the day to find out. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.